Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Introducing the Capital One Walmart Rewards Card. Earn unlimited 5% back on everything you buy at Walmart online. It's the perfect card for all your family's hints this holiday season. Like 5% back on the air fryer Grandpa told you about when he fell asleep in his chair. He didn't fry anything. Or 5% back on the laptop your sister had carolers sing to you. The Capital One Walmart Rewards Card. Earn unlimited rewards, including 5% back at Walmart online. What's in your wallet? Terms and exclusions apply. Capital One Gen A. Wow, what a great time of year it is. Beautiful weather and all the sports you can handle. We're in sports heaven right now with NBA and NHL playoffs, the Kentucky Derby, a big-time boxing match, and MLB action. If you're looking to add some excitement, make BetDSI your betting partner. Use BetDSI's live betting platform where you can watch all of the events and even bet all the games until the final whistle. New members get a 100% bonus using promo code TAFFER101. That's double your money to start winning today. And remember, BetDSI has been paying winners for over 20 years. It's a top-rated site on betting review sites. And you can use your knowledge to make some extra cash this week. It's very user-friendly, and it's a mobile site, and it has the fastest payouts in the industry. Simply play, win, and get paid. BetDSI offers betting options for everything. You can bet on the Kentucky Derby, NFL, NBA, NHL, boxing, and all other major sports, politics, reality TV, esports, virtually anything. I play there myself and recommend BetDSI. So if you want to add some excitement to the sports you love or any other sports you're watching, go to BetDSI.com and use promo code TAFFER101 and get this limited-time 100% bonus offer to make some extra cash. It's only a game until you bet it at BetDSI. Fall is here, and Old Navy's got all the styles you need right now, with up to 50% off store-wide. Hurry in for the season's biggest trends, like Rockstar jeans and frost-free jackets on sale. Jeans start at just 18 bucks for adults, 12 bucks for kids. Plus, get warm and stylish outerwear for just 18 bucks for adults, 17 bucks for kids. Want to save even more? Redeem your super cash now through Sunday. Hurry in now for up to 50% off store-wide at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1026 through 113. Select styles only. This is No Excuses with John Taffer. I'm John Taffer, best-selling author, bar rescue guru, and soon your new best friend. I've got a lot of for us to talk about, so stop making excuses and let's get started because this gets real right now. All the way from the studios at Podcast One, here's John Taffer. Well, here we go. Number 45. I'm John Taffer. This is my No Excuses podcast. And hello, it is week of April 30th. And I just got back from, I guess, about three weeks in Kansas City shooting Bar Rescue. And uh, finished my ninth one of this year, I guess. And have three more to go. So, uh, Corey, I got a big week off, buddy. Yeah, you do. I'm going to go down to Palm Springs for a couple of days, hang out down there. And, nice. And, uh, uh then I head to Denver uh, to do uh, three more in Denver, and then we're finished with season six, and then in mid-July, uh, we start shooting season seven. Wow. But I get about uh, five weeks off in the middle, Corey, so I'm hoping you and I can produce and, and work on a lot of things I've been wanting to do and you and I have been talking about for a long time. Yeah, same. 
So uh, uh, it is a uh, crazy time. And uh, I actually got a chance to uh, sit home and watch a little television. Wow. The past 24 hours. <laughs> How was that? Which I never get a chance to do. You know, and watching TV and going back from one service to another and all that was incredibly frustrating to me. And then I thought of Pluto TV, which is the leading free streaming television service, watching over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand all for free. With no credit card needed, no sign-up, Pluto TV is the easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies. So what are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again. Download Pluto TV for free on all your favorite devices today. Well, had I done that, I could have watched a lot of stuff on my phone and, and, and a whole bunch of different places. But it was really fun to catch up on TV. And, and you know, when you're home, I got to sort of watch a lot of the stuff that Nicole watches which when I'm on the road, I never have to watch the stuff Nicole watches. So I've been watching a little uh, uh, um, Housewives, uh, uh, a little, let's see, what is the other one she watches? Uh, Alaska Bushman and uh, some shows like that, which is uh, amazing. Because when I watch those shows, it's hard for me, Corey, because I can picture the producers behind the camera. Right, yeah, once you're on that side of the camera, you can't look at a show the same. Yeah, but there's a difference between my show and theirs. Yeah. On their show, the producer's watching, and their show, the producer's telling them what the hell to say. So <laughs> right, right. I sort of know that, so it frustrates the hell out of me when I watch them. But they're fun. And uh, 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 it was really uh, uh, fun to catch up on the craziness on some of these other shows that are on television. It almost made me feel a little bit of mellower than some of the others. But before we get going, make sure you hit subscribe at Apple Podcasts or go to podcastone.com or the Podcast One app, and you'll get your new episodes every Tuesday. So, interesting week in the news and stuff. Have you been hibernating or checking things out, Corey? Uh, I've been trying to – I try to stay off social media as much as possible, but it's hard. Yeah, it is hard. Well, this week in 1945, Adolf Hitler committed suicide. Wow. Also, this week in 1789, as a contrast, was our first ever presidential inauguration in 1789. And, of course, the first ever inaugural speech was given by George Washington. Wow. And, you know, it's funny. People think 1776, right, revolution, blah, blah, blah. It took all those years to 1789 before George Washington uh, became president. And people sometimes don't realize how far uh, in a journey it was from the beginning of the Revolutionary War till when uh, uh, Washington was actually inaugurated. Some crazy national days this week. Like <laughs> You're going to love this one. Monday, National Zipper Day. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you don't want to drop that one if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> National Shrimp Scampi Day on Tuesday. We got a couple of fun ones as well. National Honesty Day is Tuesday, April 30th. So what are they going to do? Are they going to close a Washington down for National Honesty Day? Because if, if they were forced to be honest, I'm not sure much would be going on down there. <laughs> It's also National Oatmeal Cookie Day and National Raisin Day, which are two separate days. They could have just done just Oatmeal Raisin Cookie Day. Right? Yeah, but that's true. And then when we go to Wednesday, National Loyalty Day, National Chocolate Parfait Day. Moving over to Thursday, National Life Insurance Day, wow. National Day of Reason, and National Day of Prayer. Well, I guess if you pray enough, you don't need as much insurance, maybe. I don't know. On Friday, National... How do, how the hell does this shit happen? National Lumpy Rug Day. 
What? National. I'm re- just reading it, buddy. National no, no. Lumpy Putt Day. So now we move along to Friday. We have National Paramor- Paranormal Day, National Chocolate Custard Day, National Lunch Hero Day. What the fuck is National <laughs> Lunch Hero Day? So this is a guy who just makes the most incredible lunches you've ever had in your life. He's so good at it. He's your lunch hero, Corey. Yeah. Oh, it's a school lunch hero. Oh, so that's what I'm saying. So yeah, he's, a- he's in your lunchroom, and, and at some point during those 45 minutes or hour, half hour, whatever you got every day, you have found the hero of the lunchroom. Wow. Did you ever have a hero in your lunchroom? Uh, maybe like Captain Underpants on my lunchbox. Well, I hear you, but that was about it. There was <laughs> yeah, no, that's about it. Yeah, there was no hero in mine either. Okay. Saturday, May 4th. This is a biggie because as some of you know that follow me on social media. I got a chance a couple weeks ago to go visit uh, a Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland with uh, some uh, Imagineers. And uh, uh, I won't say anything other than it was the most incredible thing I've ever seen. And May 4th, Saturday is National Star Wars Day. Yeah, may the 4th be with you. Yes, may the 4th be with you. So that and gearing up, I think, at the end of May is uh, uh, Galaxy's uh, Edge opening will be just incredible. So also on Saturday, National Candied Orange Peel Day, National Bird Day, National Free Comic Book Day. And Sunday, to wind up the week, National Astronaut Day, National Cartoonists Day, National Hoagie Day. Of course, Cinco de Mayo, and we're going to button it up with National Lemonade Day. <laughs> mm. Unbelievable that they even waste their time to do this kind of stuff. So in the news, I was looking at uh, flamingos. There's this interesting migration happening in the world. And you know flamingos, those pink things, and some are white and stuff, and they, you know, they're beautiful. And when you see a flamingo, you think of a resort, right, Corey? Pretty uh, yeah. exotic kind of vacation-y thing. Like, it's like a palm tree. When you see one, it just sort of makes you feel good. Right. Flamingos are flocking to Mumbai, India. Thousands and thousands. And they couldn't quite understand it. And then they figured it out. It's because of the freaking sewage. Oh, they like it. Disgusting. No, there's so much sewage there that that a pelican, a flamingos are flocking there from all over. Wow. So I've been looking at the... uh, um, News and I noticed a couple universities have now introduced cannabis classes, and really looking at it is is a really powerful small business. and And University of Connecticut just did it this week, introduced uh, which is a pretty conservative school introduced uh, a cannabis one hundred and one. Do you know what misophonia is? No idea. I didn't think you would. <laughs> misophonia is people who have an illness that causes noises to drive them mad. So, for example, there are particular noises that can drive these people crazy. Chewing will drive them absolutely nuts. Spitting over the frickin' charts. Throat clearing. <laughs> that, that they can't. It's an interesting thing I was reading about. And I met someone this week on the bar rescue set who actually had that. Really? And somebody was sitting next to chewing, and they requested to be seated next to somebody who wasn't chewing, who wasn't eating food. And I had never been exposed to that before, so we said the word, and I looked it up. Anyway, somebody closed a pizza restaurant after employees put laxatives on pizza pie. Oh, man. I guess that was the shit, huh? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then the company, this is, I guess... You know, when you think about the scandal with, with the university, with you know all the, all the fraud with the universities and the fake photographs of them 
playing rugby or rowing on their boats or whatever it is. Some company now offers a fake vacation with doctored photos. Oh, yeah. I heard about that. So it's a Nebraska-based small business. It's called Fake a Vacation. And for nineteen ninety nine, they offer you a, to superimpose you in front of famous landmarks in like Las Vegas, Grand Canyon, Hawaii, Walt Disney World. And in essence, they will create a social media presence for you as if you went somewhere that you didn't, in fact, go. <laughs> and, you know, hats off to small business, you know, and people creating uh, ideas. I did something with Barstool Sports a few weeks ago that was just unbelievable, and it was called uh, – um, Something brain, forgive me, and I shot it with Dave Portnoy and another friend of ours, and we looked at small business pitches, and somebody actually had, uh, and you'll see it on the show when when Barstool uh, uh, airs it, uh, envelopes of pubic hair. So if I wanted to tell you to go screw yourself, Corey, I could send you an envelope of pubic hair. Oh, and it was plastic. I mean, it was fake, shredded, but okay. but you know, but but the guy's making money. Right. And he's got a business going. So I guess is, you know, selling images of you in front of the Las Vegas sign, is that a crime, I guess? No. No, it isn't. It's no different than if you go to an amusement park and they put costumes on you and they make you look like Book freaking Cassidy, right? Yeah, true. Or Butch Cassidy. So it's no different than uh, creating the illusion. So hats off to small business. And I was reading in Forbes today, Corey, to get a little serious for a moment. The all too common ways that small business owners waste money. And I was reading this, and man, as did his hit home with me. And I was working with a major brewery a few weeks ago, and some of these things were actually being changed in their whole corporate culture, particularly number one. So these are the main reasons why small business owners waste money. One, too many meetings. Meeting after meeting after meeting, they discuss it, blah, blah, blah. Middle managers spend 30% of their time in meetings. Upper management can spend as much as 50% of their time in meetings. So when you're in meetings 50% of the time, that means you're not doing other things 50% of the time. I thought that was interesting. So they're cutting meetings now, and they're only allowing you to spend 20% of your time on meetings, which forces your meetings to be really brief, right on the money. It's an interesting concept to say to yourself, okay, I'm only going to spend 20% of my time in meetings, which means I'm going to spend 80% of my time working on more productive things, which means my meetings need to be effective, uh, et cetera. Number two is poorly managed advertising, social media, and email marketing. Well, that's an obvious one. And people need to get that one in order and and organize themselves more. And uh, uh, um, skills mismatch, hiring people for personality rather than an actual skill set. You know, is another big one. And then one of the last one was no budgeting and not doing any financial planning. And, you know, when you think about financial planning and budgeting, at the Hartford, they understand there's nothing in small business that's small. As a small business owner, you're busy. You have a ton of big decisions to make every day. And the last thing you want to do is worry about your small business insurance. With coverage from the Hartford, you don't have to. With over 200 years of experience and over 1 million customers, they're specialists in small business. From workers' compensation to professional liability, commercial auto, and more, the Hartford offers a wide range of small business insurance products so you can keep focused on what you love, knowing that they're behind you every step of the way. Learn more at thehartford.com small business. That's thehartford.com small business. 
Well, with all the opportunity zones and, and, and you know, the tax advantages now in small business uh, and everything that's going on, Corey, it's so exciting to hear about everything, even from the fake vacation small business, and to see how many people are starting small businesses. And, you know, this week uh, um, I got to do three in Bar Rescue. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. I shot my 176th Bar Rescue this week, Corey. Wow. And, you know, I must admit, it's, it's, it's sometimes it's like the movie Groundhog Day, to be honest with you. Yeah, I could see that. You know, I show up in the same black SUV. I get in the same makeup chair. I get the same 30-second briefing. You know, John, they're in debt this much. They're, they're going to run out of money in this amount of time. And, you know, they've been open so long. And I get my little briefing, and then I go in. And every time these days when I show up, I got to tell you, I'm not exactly excited to be there. And, and, and probably people can understand after 175 times, I'm in a hotel room again. Uh, you know, I'm driving with Scott, who's my security guy, and we're driving to set. And I get to set and I meet by the same people. And it's like Groundhog Day. And I sit in the chair. And every time it's in a different place, because we're always in a different location as we move around. So I sit in a chair. I get my thing. I go outside. I get in the SUV. The monitor's in the middle of the SUV. And I go to work. And every time I think to myself, well, not every time, many times I think to myself, man, I just don't know how much longer I can do this after 175. Man, this is getting hard to do. Man, I don't want to travel anymore. Man, it's going to be... And then when that SUV turns on, as soon as it gets going, and particularly as soon as I look in the owner's eye, Corey, something happens and it becomes all new again. And it's really an amazing phenomena. And, you know, it's, it's everything changes every week. And when I look in those people's eyes and realize, wow, I have an opportunity uh, uh, that's a blessing that, that so few people get. And how many of us have those? And I understand not everybody has a television show or gets to rebuild businesses for people and give them things. I get that. But how many of us have you know, opportunities that really impact ours or somebody else's life in a day and don't do it? You see, that, that I think is the big defining difference between those who are successful and, and those who struggle to find success. So the ones that are successful always did that. They did more. I was talking to a press person the other day. He said, hey, John, thank you for all your success and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Why are you successful? And what was your plan? I didn't have a freaking plan. Honestly, Corey, I never did. You know, I, you just work hard every day. You put out more than anyone else every day. You type more pages. You say more words. You put in more hours. You drive more miles. You just do more every day. And if you do more every day and you work really hard every day, those freaking days add up, man. And suddenly you got more experiences than the people around you. Suddenly you're perceived as a greater commitment than the people around you. Suddenly you have better intuitions. You're a better decision maker. You have greater confidence in, 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 around people and in situations. And it all happened just because a one at a day at a time commitment. And it's interesting how if you really focus on outputting more every day and inputting more every day and just doing more, imagine what happens after a year or two of doing more. Right. You know, suddenly, you know, you're 20, 30 percent ahead of everybody around you. You have knowledge that they don't have. And candidly, that's what happened to me, Corey. You know, when, when I was young, I worked almost twice as many hours as other people. I probably asked twice as many questions. 
never had boundaries of responsibility. I would jump in and do anything, especially if I learned. And when I was about 30, suddenly I realized, shit, I had the experience of somebody who was like 45. I had been in more places, managed more things, hired more employees, fired more employees, trained more employees. I had done more than everybody around me who was my age. And it was then that things started to take off. So, you know, it's not necessarily about a plan. It's about the way you attack the day. And Brian Kilmeade is a good friend of mine. And Brian is an anchor on Fox News and has his show on Fox Radio and and also is uh, written several books on American history. And Brian and I became good friends a few years ago. And and, uh, Ben, he's a bar owner. He owns a bar in Manhasset, Long Island called Publicans. And we became good friends not only uh, through Fox but through his uh, bar industry connections and his father owned a bar. Brian is one of the most humble people I know in media, and he and I did a great interview, and it was so good, I just couldn't cut it, Corey, into the 15 or 20 minutes that we do in a show. So yeah. this was the first ever two-part interview uh, in my No Excuses podcast. And, you know, I smile that it happens to be Brian. But there's something special about Brian, because Brian also didn't have a plan or a strategic approach, but he woke up every day and did more. He did stand-up comedy. He did sports. He did news. Honestly, he did whatever he could do to get in front of the public eye. And by waking up every day and doing more and doing more and doing more, boy, he has a career and a story that's very, very special. So here we go. Part two of my interview with Brian Kilmeade. Don't shut down this podcast yet. No Excuses with John Taffer continues next. Want to talk to John? Email him now at podcast at johntaffer.com. If you haven't listened to the Charlie Kirk show, you should. Charlie's show is also on Podcast One. He's a best-selling author, Twitter personality, and founder of Turning Point USA. And he sits down with some of the biggest newsmakers of our time to bring you the inside scoop on Capitol Hill and so much more. All from a right-of-center, freedom-loving point of view. Download new episodes of The Charlie Kirk Show every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Fall is here, and Old Navy's got all the styles you need right now, with up to 50% off store-wide. Hurry in for the season's biggest trends, like Rockstar jeans and frost-free jackets on sale. Jeans start at just 18 bucks for adults, 12 bucks for kids. Plus, get warm and stylish outerwear for just 18 bucks for adults, 17 bucks for kids. Want to save even more? Redeem your super cash now through Sunday. Hurry in now for up to 50% off store-wide at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1026 through 11.3. Select styles only. Taffer's back. This is No Excuses with John Taffer. You have, uh, I'm going to guess, I'm going to use this word. You have a a deep interest in American history, obviously, in my view. You know, when I look at the book you've written on Andrew Jackson and Jefferson and Washington, and and you've written some really great books, and and the research that you've done uh, uh, with your team is, is pretty incredible. Where does that love of American history come from? And talk about that for a minute, Brent. Well, I, I think I was born with it, but I, even though my dad died in ninth grade, Time Magazine was always out. And, you know, when magazines were huge, that was it. Uh, the newspaper always interests me. I flipped to both sides. I have in my office headlines. So I, I as early as fourth, the first one I took was the 1977 Oakland Raiders Super Bowl. I go, I want to remember these moments in news. So I used to take the Newsday headlines and press them into a bag. 
and like test tube baby, <laughs> the first uh, space shuttle launch, the space shuttle explosion, um, famous people when they die from Hubert Humphrey to Richard Nixon. I would press them into books and I would just, and everyone's go, why are you doing that? I'm like, I want to remember the news. So I've always yeah. been fascinated with it. And then I remember reading this Harry Truman book. Harry Truman didn't write about himself. He wrote about other great figures. And mm-hmm. he wrote, do you know that Thomas Jefferson was six foot one with freckles and red hair? And do you know that, um, uh, that George Washington was always uh, was always self-conscious about his look and the fact that he didn't go to college like everybody else. When they when I watched Harry Truman write a history book and I read it and humanized these great figures, I go, wow, they are human beings. And then when I could see back to what they wrote and I go visit museums and see the actual letters that they wrote, I go, wow, this is time travel. But I go, I can't do what John Meacham does and David McCullough does and what Douglas Brinkley do. I can't do a comprehensive look. But what if I grabbed a small area that I think is unplowed or underserved and bring it forward? And that's why I thought the spies where we grew up that no one mm-hmm. told us about. I yep. could feel this. I studied it for 20 years. And then when Jefferson had took on the war on terror that we were experiencing with al-Qaeda and the Muslim extremists, how did Jefferson handle it? I go, well, that had relevance. And how did this backwoodsman named Andrew Jackson, who was orphaned by 13 years old, who volunteered to fight in a war of the Revolutionary War. How did he end up, instead of being a, a deviant, how did he end up becoming president? Well, it all goes down to this battle. And if I could do the Battle of New Orleans and let people know how America overcame this impossible odds with this makeshift patched together uh, army to beat the number one army in the world, When the president of the United States at the time said, I'm not sure we're an exceptional nation because every nation thinks they're exceptional. My goal was to show you that I'm not just part of the home team. I'm part of the championship team. So are you. We're not perfect, but we're trying. And these things underline it. When I go on stage now, I'm doing uh, shows on July 19th and 20th and then in August. Where? Tell us. The books. I weave together the books. Oh. And I talk about it with the packages that aired on television. And I let people know next time someone comes up to you and tells you how bad this country is. Let me just tell you something. We've done extraordinary things. and There's a reason why people are trying to sneak in here. Mm-hmm. There sure is. So this is a, a this is might be an unfair question, but I'm going to ask it for fun. Right. If you had to pick your hero of, of the founding fathers and you had to pick one, who would it be? Wow. I'm tell you, I'm so caught up. Uh, of the founding fathers. Yeah. Is there one who's, who, who you know, uh, just one who just nailed you between the eyes who, who you land on? Or is it a tough choice for you? Well, I'm going to be boring. And I'm going to tell you Washington because I went in to study Washington. I do it as a hobby. And then I did it as it relates to the spies. And when I read what other people who lived and knew him said about him, and as we portray him now, this guy is half Bill Walsh. Half Vince Lombardi, half Tony Larusa, and he did it all on instinct. His dad died at a young age. I went and visited yeah. the rebuilding his childhood home. Yep. The more you, the more you study Washington, the more he lives up to the hype. While still writing about, I writing about that self consciousness. I don't know if I have what it takes. What will history say about me? Uh, writing to his brother. How do I rally these troops? Uh, what do I say to these guys when they want to come home? Our currency is worthless. How do I tell people they got to sustain their farms and fight with me still? And it happened, you know, that that to me off the top of my head to be boring would be him. 
And also, there's something about him that I always thought was amazing because I know you know this better than I, far better than I. He could have been king probably, but he turned over power and he really created the first real turnover of power as the democracy envisioned. I'm sure you agree with Changed that. The there were some who thought that wouldn't happen. Changed the world. You, you yeah. were an absolute monarcher. You were king. You were in control. If he relinquishes his power, the British said, the world will be changed. Yeah. You know, and it and fomented everything. Yes, they had to beg him to become president. But when they had the Constitutional Convention and he showed up, uh, there was only one person that could bring us together, which is interesting, too. Just so you know, people get all panicked about what we're going through right now. Oh, we're polarized. When they asked Washington to do another term, he looked at Hamilton, and I'll just paraphrase. He said, if I was to run again, half the country would hate me and half the country would love me. I don't like what's happening right now. So whoever comes in next is going to have to deal with this mess. And that's just it. They were shooting each other back then when they didn't agree with you. And Washington knew he was the unifying figure. And from after this, it was going to be Whigs against Democrats and later it would be Republicans and Jefferson and uh, Hamilton going at it. And we know what's happened from there. And we're in the middle of that now where, you know, Jackson and John Quincy Adams. I mean, you had a you had a situation where one guy won the popular vote, John Quincy Adams. Uh, cut a deal with Henry Clay to be his vice president and was able to consolidate power and give it the presidency. You think that George Bush Al Gore was controversial? Forget it. This guy, Jackson, was a folk hero. Then he went back and started speaking to people about how unworthy John Quincy Adams was. So you talk about a divided country. After that, we'd have a civil war. And dirty politics, too, back then. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. You know, they wrote about Andrew Jackson's wife, such terrible things. She had a heart attack and died before... He got to the White House and, um, you know, before she even got to what is now the White House, she died of a heart attack. And they said it was the negative things they said about her being uh, she was married prior, never fully got a divorce. Therefore, she's a bigamist. She ends up dying of that. And Jackson always held that against her. People would. That's what it was. Things were like that from the day one, you know, and they just don't tell us that in school. You have huge respect for sacrifice, don't you? Absolutely. For the for a cause. I mean. Uh, when we meet these cops, when we meet the firefighters, when we meet the soldiers, uh, anybody in, in military service, in awe. You know, John Kelly was asked. They go, "Hey, uh, General, when he was chief of staff, why don't you uh, wear a pen? Why don't you wear a lapel pin of a flag?" He goes, "My, I goes, my whole, my whole body is red, white, and blue. I don't need a flag. I mean, that's what these people do. They give on a daily basis for something greater than themselves." You know, I'm, I'm fortunate. I, I get to come over to Fox very often. You know that. And I get to do a whole bunch of shows there very often and see you there sometimes. And, you know, it's such a great building in a way it feels. And in a way, it's so family-like when you're Don't in the you Fox agree? Buildings. Yeah, I was wondering your perspective on it. You know, I get the chance that, and I would never say anything negative because every every place has its positives. But there is something special about the Fox Building when I go there. It is, Brian, and I get to go there often, as you know, and you know, at least once or sometimes twice a month, I'm there, and it's special. You know, first of all, there's not a lot of turnover. People are there for a pretty darn long time. Everybody has a great connection. It's not about political views. You know, that's not the commonality about it. It's very much a family feeling there. It is, and and you get to go there every day. So I'm not sure you see how great it is in well, comparison to other places but uh, it just it, feels I, good there brian it does well, I'll tell you what the people that work the hardest are the ones behind the scenes i can't tell you i mean our, our crew is there at midnight on the producers get there at three i'm up at 2 30 there at 3 30 how many times i walk in when i'm doing when i have a chance to do the five i walk in and there's 
the executive producer is still sitting up there because the news keeps changing and they want to make sure that people who are working like crazy trying to book one guest, uh, that they're not alone. So they never get credit for this. They never get credit for the hours they put in, but they yeah. don't do it. They do it because they believe in the mission and we're lucky enough to actually change or affect the dialogue in the country. So we're really having profound effect and I think in a great way. It's also funny. People think that that, that a news anchors and the people at Fox just sit in front of a teleprompter and read. Yeah, I don't know if you knew this. I guest hosted for Elizabeth McDonald on an evening edit a couple of months ago, and I did it for a week. So I think four or five days in a row. And, you know, I'm coming in at noon. I'm watching all the news feeds. I'm working with the producers all day. We're writing. We're rewriting. We're changing. The news is shifting. But I thought this was easy, man. I thought I came in at 5 o'clock, sat in a chair, was on the air at 6 o'clock, read the teleprompter. This is – it was an incredibly difficult job. But I got to tell you, Brian, it was one of the most exciting things I've ever done in that. <laughs> to watch the news feeds in real time and, and you know, watch, watch the press information going across the line, whoever the junket is that day. And it was just so fascinating. And I realized how difficult your job is. And, yeah. and you know, to do it well and to be informed and to have confidence in what you're saying because you can't say it because it was just written. You have to know it's right yourself. Yeah, uh, yeah and I mean, we'd study to it a little, would you? Yeah, I mean, uh, they with our show, uh, the producers know a lot. So let's say John Taffer is coming on to promote his brand new book. Okay. Uh, John Taffer, the name, the title, the name of the book. Okay, uh, some bullet points about the book and then we get they get you on the phone and they'll say to you even though they got three other people to talk to in a three-hour show it's like john tell me something that's not in the book that, that one of the anchors could ask for me so we're looking at that at the same time i got your book and if they give us a, ahead of time i'm able to page through your book get through it now you're just one five-minute segment in a three-hour show and then at the same time the Mueller report drops at the same time there's a legitimate crisis at the border at the same time there's a there's 20 separate candidates running for president. And at the same time, Joe Biden next Wednesday, who is the presumed front runner, makes it official, according to The Atlantic. So you got to know who said it, what we said. And meanwhile, uh, and I have my uh, on my iPad here, we're watching what reporters are filing. So if there's a fire out in Seattle and it's spreading and it's out of control, we have a reporter there. So they're like, boom, boom, you see fire. I don't need that. Okay, fine. Then all of a sudden, we have somebody out with Kamala Harris. And Harris at this time is asking for the president to be impeached. Well, that's going to matter. And all of a sudden, I'm doing an interview with a Democrat, and I'm like, do you back now? This comes across, and we'll say, well, do you back just a moment ago, Kamala Harris in, over in Los Angeles just said the president of the United States should be impeached, despite the fact the Mueller report doesn't say that. What do you think the right message for the Democrat is? If you aren't into it as an anchor, mm-hmm. if you're just depending on your blue card or your iPhone, I don't, I don't think you're nearly as prepared as you can be. You're not so, going to get a good interaction that way. And, and a lot of people at home go, yeah, I heard that already. I heard that already. Our goal is to be new. And then in the morning, if the job numbers come in and John Taffer's on, if blue-collar wages are going up and John Taffer's are on, guess what's going to be in your on your card? Or guess what's going to be a question coming out of our mouths? The job numbers. Job numbers come in 220,000, 10,000 more than expected. John, how's this economy feel to you? And you, I don't know what you're going to say. It doesn't matter. You're John Taffer. You're an expert. You're in the trenches. So I need your I need your expert advice. So if you're not if you don't love it, you're not going to like it. When people say you're going to work, I almost say, really, I'm not going to work. Uh, this is this is not work. This is this is actually enjoy every about everything. Almost everything about it is enjoyable. 
So you look forward to it. So I don't want to be selfish with your time. Do you have two more minutes? Because I have one yeah. more topic I'd love to ask you about. Okay. So being a bar restaurant guy like me, and we've sat together in your bar and restaurant. By the way, I hope it's doing great. I had one of my favorite lunches ever in, in your bar, Brian. I thought I, I went into Brian's bar with his wife, oh, yes. yeah, Nicole and myself, right. and we ordered half the menu, if I'm not mistaken, right? You Pretty did. much. And uh, it, it was absolutely fantastic. And uh, uh, can you tell people the name of the bar? Yeah, yeah it's Publicans in Manhasset, and it dates back for years. If everyone, anyone read The Tender Bar, it's uh, a kid that got raised. He had a single-parent family, really got raised by the people in this bar, real people, a couple of which worked for my dad. Uh, and the bar and the, the uh, book was a bestseller for a while. So the owner – uh, the owner uh, passed away. He went and bought a, a place on South Street Seaport, ended up being too much. And it, he just ended up having a heart attack and passing away. The wife took over Georgette and ended up doing well, but she got too much for her. So she turned it over, pay medicines, and then it got wrecked. They lost their lease. So they decided to put together this group to rebuy it, re- reconfigure it, lighten it up, bring in some uh, windows. Don't make it look so much like 1970s and reconfigure publicans in Manhasset. So bring back a lot of the memories. But it's a very competitive. Up and down this strip is probably eight um, eight to ten other restaurants. So they got to get this. It's half sports bar, half family restaurant. So uh, I became an investor in it, almost like nostalgically. And uh, you gave us some of the best advice. when it, I just wanted you to come in and see it and say, this is what I said. You dove in. You looked at, you looked at everything. You got insider information. The passion that you had for it, they implemented almost two-thirds. I had something happen with me personally that uh, kind of sidetracked me from implementing it. But um, two-thirds of which of your ideas are through. They have their own signature drinks now. They've changed the way they pour beer now. They've, uh, they've, simplified, the mem- uh, they've simplified the menu. They've also thinned out management, which was a problem when it came to it. But uh, people love it. And now, now it's a place to go to for the big UFC fights. Uh, for the big baseball, basketball, and uh, football games. So we're close to breaking a profit, but the margins are so thin in your business. Man, every little every little thing is necessary. you gotta, you got to play a perfect game there. You so really do. Republicans in Manhattan on Plan Dome Road. And, and, and I'm going to tell you this. As Taffer, Mr. Bar Rescue, it's a great bar, Brian. Anybody in North Shore, Long Island should stop by. It's a great burger, one of the best I've had. And right. it's just such a great bar, buddy. You should be really, really proud of but it. But you had a great point. You said the burger's great, bun's too small. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, wow, okay. It was. Anyway, so so last question for you. I gave the keynote at the multi-unit franchise convention a week ago, and everybody was freaked out about the fifteen hour, fifteen dollar minimum wage in a restaurant business, and everybody's freaked out that there's no labor out there. And uh, uh, as a restaurant guy, what are your thoughts on that? More work visas, number one. Yeah. Let people come in. These people that come in, and a lot of them are, some of them are illegal. I'm a soccer guy. I was. I used to be the only American out there in the 1970s and 80s. Most of were Central and South American. They're the best people, the hardest working people. Uh, we just want them to come in legally. Let's help that workforce. There's no jobs in Central America. There's a ton of jobs here. So let's let people have work visas and have a pathway to citizenship. But they just got to do it legal. The $15 wage is so stupid. They sit, sit down with the John Taffers of the world. I don't care if you're the most liberal Democrat, or the most conservative Republican. It's, you don't, it's not saying I have a big heart to give people a $15 wage. 
Those jobs will go away and they'll rush in automation. Don't they understand that this is a – for every action that government takes, there will be a reaction from resourceful entrepreneurs like yourself. So it is sickening. I made three twenty-five an hour when I waited or two twenty-five an hour because I knew all my money came in tips. We understand that. It's 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 unfortunate, and you're right. Now, because I go to the, all the uh, equipment conventions, everything is about automation, Brian. Automation, automation, and you know, there's going to be automated grills. Burgers are going to be made automatically, and you know, the fact of the matter is that equipment amortizes out and comes back down to you know the cost that you and I used to get when we did that job. It'll cost them three dollars an hour to function on that machine versus the fifteen. They're not yeah. going to get sued by by uh, due to labor law. They don't have to provide two weeks paid vacation. There's no insurance. You know, a machine requires none of that stuff. And it's unfortunate. But I'm with you. You know, when everybody talks about immigration, we all talk about who we're letting who we're not letting in. We should talk about who we are letting in too and, and open up the work visas so that we can feed the labor pool appropriately. Yeah. Last question, buddy. Then I'm going to let you go. Why do you think? And I'm and, and you can and, and I'm going to embarrass you a little bit. You know, you you have a dream existence. You grew up as a kid on Long Island. Loved sports. Stumbled. Went into comedy. Loved that. Moved into sports broadcasting. Went into news broadcasting. Now you sit with presidents. You sit with world leaders. You get to ask them the questions that you want to ask, and you represent us all when you ask that question. You have one of the most responsible jobs I think there is when you talk to these people. When you look back over your life, Brian, why do you think you're where you are? Um, I don't know, because I cannot take any day. One thing about me, and it's kind of negative, because I know you can relax. I can't take a day for granted. Um, I know in 1996 when... I got my tape looked at by Fox. Fox became, as I mentioned, this, this number one network, not only in news, but we compete with ESPN, TNT, and the Cartoon Network to be number one, period. And we've been number one for like two years. So when people say, well, you beat MSNBC and CNN, really? They're in our rearview mirror, substantially lower. I am lucky enough to be part of that. The only thing I want to do is prepare for that. I think when I'm 80, I still will be working, and I'll be able to look back and go, wow, man, I – from 30 to 54, I held on to one of the best jobs ever, and I want to continue to do it. I, I just know this. The only thing I have a message, I, I feel bad because I have no, um, uh, I have no uh, like five things. Like I've, here's Jefferson's uh, 10 rules, right? I have them right <laughs> here, right? Everyone, all these people have rules. You know what I always say, and my, uh, like my dad always told me, I don't have any universal things. The only thing I say to my family and friends is don't get outworked. So I don't get outworked. Even waiting for you, I'm reading, I'm doing, preparing a Sam Houston book. I'm going through another Sam Houston story because I don't want to be outworked because I don't have that much. Um, I'm not impressed with my intellect. I'm not impressed with my natural skills, but I, I can control one thing and it's my work ethic. So if I do that, I'm proud of that. I also know what are the odds, John? of a guy that was on our show every week for four, for six years becoming president of the United States. I mean, that's why I have access. George Bush liked us. I got to golf with George Bush. I got to interview him uh, and do his play-by-play with Tim McCarver on his last softball game, but I got extremely lucky with that. So I just feel like I'm lucky. And if you ask me uh, how I got here, I will say to you, there are 675 rejection letters of people sending, getting my tape, and saying he's not right, 
the one that said yes changed my life. But the 675 that said no had the ability to do the same thing and said, I know one thing for sure. I don't want him. It just so happened the person that wanted me ended up putting together the best network in the history of cable television, which is now soon to be all into one between streaming and broadcast and network. Yeah. So I just feel lucky. And the only thing I'll take credit for is, is ability to work. You know, that's work ethic. I'm the same way, buddy. I work as hard as it takes. And when I was young, I didn't know very much. So my hard work overcame it. You and I really share that. Brian, thanks for being here, buddy. Especially, you know, taking time from your family to be with me. Please send our best to Dawn. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, and uh, I look you, forward to- you wowed everybody. You sat at our table. You wowed everybody. And then you, you uh, wowed the crowd. And then the way uh, you poured into the books to take a look to give us that little uh, edge that's necessary. People still talk about it today. Uh, thanks, Brian. Well, I look forward to having a burger there together soon. And by the way, if people want to see me on tour, briankillme.com slash uh, tour. And I got Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers coming out on, in the first week in November. I think it's my best one yet. So tell, tell us where the tour is, and then you can get out of here. Tell us where you're okay. going. July 19th, I'm going to be in Bonita Springs, Florida. It's going to be America Great from the Start. It's my Fox Nation series, What Made America Great, mixed in with my soon-to-be-four history books. And then on the 20th, I'll be in Orlando. And then on August 10th and 11th, I'm going to be in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, then Birmingham, Alabama. And I think that people have a chance to interact, talk politics, but most importantly, uh, the foundation of our country, how we got to where we are today. And um, it's probably it's a, it's a mixing of everything I love to do. So you go to briankillme.com slash tour. I'll see you out there. And if you like the Fox Nation series, if you uh, if you like the books, and I hope you do, I think you're really going to love this this event. I'll tell you what, Brian, you are genuinely a really good guy, buddy. And, and, and I'm proud to call you my friend. And I'm, I'm proud that you called and I'm proud you brought me into the world of Skype. <laughs> I don't look nearly as good, but I'm impressed that I'm able to pull this off in the worst looking backdrop ever. Uh, you look great, buddy. Thanks a million. We'll talk soon. Not only a friend, but what a great story. You know, being focused on a career goal, you know, f- trying to get there with multiple paths. And one thing about Brian Kilmeade, this is a guy who has maintained his humility, is a humble, really, really good guy. And as big a star as he becomes in the news world, he still is just a really good guy. And with every president he interviews, he's still just a really, really good guy. And Brian's story inspires me. I hope it inspired you. And we'll be right back with my favorite part of the show, Audience Collins. Don't shut down this podcast yet. No Excuses with John Taffer continues next. Hey, it's Ross Tucker from the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Check out the Under Review Show with host Damon D here at Podcast One, presented by BetOnline.ag. Get the odds, news, and insights from real industry insiders. This isn't your typical schlocky picks show. Download new episodes of Under Review, presented by BetOnline every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Shut it down! All right, John, new week and new callers. Let's Shut it down! First up, we have Pat from Reno, Nevada. Hey, Pat. How are you, buddy? I'm very well. How about yourself, sir? Good. So, so another Nevada dude up there, huh? So you're up in, in Reno now? Yep, up in Reno. I uh, I was born in the Bay Area, and I moved up here um, after college. 
Gotcha. You know, I don't tell not too many people this, but I actually own a, a big piece of a distillery, which is in Fallon, Nevada, which is up north there. And they call Fallon the Oasis of Nevada. But we own a beautiful distillery up there. And our product introduces uh, in the fall. I'm pretty excited about it. So I come up to Reno all the time. And I must tell you, oh, I, nice. saw, I saw one of your questions was about the Reno bar scene, Pat. I think it's starting yep. to come along, don't you? Oh, it's definitely changed a lot over the years. I mean, I've been here since 96, so since then to now, I mean, the the difference is astronomical, I would say. Yeah. Um, But it's still, you know, what's changing is kind of like the things that you promote and do. And that's kind of why, you know, I've been around business my whole life. That's why I really enjoy your show. You're a cutthroat person who just, you not only give people a, basically a second chance, but it's, it's more about really trying to give somebody something and, and, and let them do, you know, let them do it on their own per se. It's, it's true. And I think there's a mixology scene that's budding up there. So Southern Wine and Spirits of Nevada, uh, 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 one of its owners is one of my best friends. And I go up to Reno and I tour accounts with Southern Wine and Spirits up there all the time. So I'll go up there a few times a year. We'll load up in a car and, and we'll go hit some of their biggest and most troubled accounts sometimes. So I get to tour the Reno bar scene, go in, meet all the owners, meet all the managers, and I'll get to see maybe 20, 25 places in two, three days when I do these tours with Southern Wine, at Southern Glacier Wine and Spirits. So it's a lot of fun. And I must tell you, I do this in a lot of cities, Pat. I love doing it in Reno. I think there's a very hip bar scene budding in Reno right now. And I think a couple of years from now, it's going to get really exciting up there. It is, and it's it is growing, like you're saying. I mean, that we're we're one of the fastest growing cities due to the fact of Tesla and the whole market that's yep. you know growing out there. And it is something that you know, and 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 the part that makes it laugh. I used to work on camp at UNR for a long time, and what's funny to me is is that there's also the old mentality up here still, where yes. if it's not broken, don't fix it yep. mentality. It's true. So. It's you see a lot of the bars that are up on, let's say the not this you know our strip, <laughs> and up on up up above you know by campus, those bars haven't changed in thirty years. You walk into them today, and they are incredibly outdated. And when you, I'm, I'm I really like craft beer, and I can go and drink a craft beer and literally say that line was not cleaned in the last thirty. days or whatnot yeah and and that's that's the part that makes it a little sad for me is is that you know the ones that do invest in in places like that you know they change but for the most part you you still have a lot of a lot of people around here that you know the the that but are just kind of basic. I, but I think Reno's getting gentrified, and I think that there's a young, hip kind of mixology and bar operator crowd moving in up there. I certainly hit a few of them when I was up there a few weeks ago. But I think it's evolving, and I think that, you know, with Tesla up there, and let's face it, California, I read an article just the other day. You're from the Bay Area, Pat. I read an article just the other day that, that uh, 41% of people that live in the Bay Area plan on moving out in the next five years. You don't hear people... Oh, I wouldn't. You you don't hear people in Nevada saying that stuff, do you? <laughs> so you know, you, you really don't. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a nice place to live. I mean, Reno's changed a lot since Apple first came here. You know, back in in, in God, I think it was two thousand ten ish, and and that's what really kind of started to to change. And if you drive, 
let's say if you just drive 4th Street from Keystone to Virginia Street, for example, that that is under such a large development right now that it's, you're right, it's a very large changing scene up here. And we are getting younger and younger crowds moving from the Bay. Yeah, there's no question about it. And we're getting it down here in, in Las Vegas, moving in from California. But, you know, there's a migration. People get frustrated by the traffic and the taxes and the frustration. And, you know, the, there's something really nice about Nevada. I moved here seven years ago. I love it here, man. But obviously, yeah, you're a convert, too, obviously, Pat. So, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's exciting exactly times right. up there. It's exciting times up there for sure. And anybody, by the way, who hasn't been up there in a long time, go up to Reno. It's fun. You know, Tahoe isn't far. The mountains are there. There's skiing right in the neighborhood. There's great casinos, great restaurants now, great mixology. Reno is starting to happen, Pat. But thank you for the call, buddy. You're i got to right. move on to the next one. Take care. All right, moving on, we have Mark, and he's a sales manager, and he's looking to ask you a couple questions. John? Hey, Mark. How you doing, man? So, hold on. How are you doing, John? Great. Good to hear your voice. Thanks, buddy. Good to talk to you. What's up? Yeah, so uh, I, I'm a first-year manager uh, in a sales job. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of fresh out of college here, and one of the big challenges that I've been facing is it's a commission-based job, and I'm having a lot of te- uh, problems sectioning off my time to be able to spend time with my sales guys make sure they're all successful with it, and then spending time myself developing new leads and dealing with my clients that I already have. Yeah, boy, that, that's a double-edged sword. So let me th- see if I understand this. So you're managing a sales team, Mark, and you're required to do your own selling at the same time. Is that is that what's going exactly. on? Do you get a commission off the guys that sell for you? I do, but it's not as much as when I sell myself, obviously. Yep. So your time is better spent generating your own prospects and closing your own business. Right, but I also, you know, these are my guys. I want to make sure they're successful. Yep, I hear you. Well, their success equates to your success. So if their numbers stink, they're going to put some pressure on you because you're their manager, right? Exactly. So, so I would suggest that you know you need to do two things. You need to work in the business, which is taking care of them and their needs, and then you need to work on the business, which is taking care of you. Does that make sense? And you got to look at both of those things as separate. So why couldn't you create a simple schedule whereby you spend X amount of hours with them a week? You do sales training programs. You can work on overcoming objections. You know, you can work on various issues, prospecting, lead generation, all that kind of stuff. And then understand that the other 34 hours a week are yours and the other 35 hours a week are yours. And I think that if you manage your time in that way so that they know you're available during these hours every week, you know, if they have an emergency or a certain prospect or issue that they can call you. But I think what you need to do is you need to consciously manage your time better and say to yourself, if they represent 20% of my income, then son of a gun, they're not getting more than 20% of my time. And if they represent 10% of my income, then they're getting 10% of my time. And I think you have to have some relationship with the actual money and time uh, uh, that you put into it based upon the money. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Uh, it, it makes a lot of sense um, as far as money and everything like that goes. I guess uh, I guess more or less my problem I have with it is just uh, making sure they know they're supported uh, and that I'm only a phone call away, I guess. Why is that so important to you? Uh, you know, I want to, uh, you know, like I said, make sure I brought these guys on. I recruited them. Um, I know them well. I know they got families to go back to. I want to make sure that they don't think that I'm leaving them out to dry, that I'm 
making sure they know the process and know how things are going to go. Well, I think that that's that's uh, that's a sign of a great manager. So you want to set your team up for success, but after that, then Mark, it's up to them, right? You set them up for success, give them the tools, the training, the support, and, and then it's sort of up to them. So the other thing that I would say to you that's really important when we take a look at people and human resources is remember, don't spend a lot of time with the ones who are just getting by. You never get a payback for that time. Whether you care about them or not, you got to put the time into the ones that are performing, the ones that have the greatest potential. Typically, the sick puppy gets all the attention. The other seven puppies are healthy. Mom doesn't bother or pay attention to them, but that one sick puppy gets all the attention. That's what you got to watch out for in sales. You got to put your time into where the results are, not where the weakness is. And sometimes when you feel that way about your team, you take too much responsibility for their shortfalls. And I sense that a little bit in what you said to me earlier. So once they stumble those two or three times, you can't help them anymore. You got to write them off and move on. That's what a sales manager does. So if an individual represents 10% of their sales then they sh- and somebody else represents 40% of their sales, a lot of rookies would put the time in a 10%er. I put the time into the 40%er. So you really want to take a look at that. Help them succeed, but don't protect them. That's when you start to hurt yourself. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. All right, buddy. I hope it helps. Take care, Mark. Thank you. With your attitude, buddy, you're going to be a big success. So I look forward to hearing from you years from now. Tell me how great you did, okay? Appreciate it. Will do. Take care, buddy. All right, last up we have Don, and he's a voice actor. Hey, Don. How you doing, man? Pretty good, John. How are you? Good. So you were at a stress test the other night, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I was. I was at the stress test and then the uh, the relaunch. Yep. Yeah, pretty brutal, huh? You can see my world. It's not easy out there. Yeah, exactly. I got to I got to see the magic happen, and uh, yeah, I know I know why you do what you do. Yeah, thanks, buddy. You know, a lot of people don't realize uh, uh, it's a fight. I mean, to get something remodeled in thirty six hours, it's not easy, man. I mean, texts fly all night long. We're back and forth picking this. We can't get this. We got to do that. And then you saw it yourself. The employees are typically not the best or most qualified as well. But the, uh, you know, there's always somebody in a, in an episode, Don, that you want to fight for. And I never really talk about right. this on the area, but since you mentioned it, if you don't mind, I'm going to di- digress for a moment. You know, sometimes the sure. owner, the owner's really a jerk, but his wife is really nice, so I do it for her. Sometimes, you know, the employees are really jerks. I don't want to do it for them, but I feel bad for the owner, so I do it for him. There's always somebody to fight for, and those times that there's actually nobody to fight for is the only times I've ever walked out. And, you know, the bar that you saw was an example of, of, you know, of a family opportunity that could be better. Uh, um, And so so I had something to fight for there. I understand. I understand. So what do you want to talk about? He's a good guy. Oh, he's a very good guy. He was just in a bad place. The only thing real quick, you know, he did change the name a little bit, though, I noticed the other day. He wanted to take the uh, barbecue part off because he didn't want to compete with the guy down the road. And I told him, I said, well, if I were you, I'm not you, obviously, and it's your business, but I would stick with exactly what he gave you because he did it for a reason. And I'm sure he knows the, you know, the backstory of everything. So I would, you know, I, I, I strongly suggested to him that he stick with everything that you, you know, did for him and, and yeah. proposed. Well, there was a so lot of reason why or not, I don't know. we did the barbecue because it's easy to do. It's slice and serve. He doesn't have to have a big kitchen to do it. Food comes out in five to six minutes. And this is Kansas City. I mean, how many barbecue places are there in Kansas City? 
sometimes six on a block. So, so it's, it's right. a question of doing it well and providing a great experience. You know what's sad is when, when owners start to second-guess it before it even had a chance. And that's really a shame. I brought Kevin Bloodsoe in, who's one of the best barbecue chefs in the country. We brought in great smoking equipment. We did real barbecue. We priced it right, you know, built an environment. It's a shame. And if he changes it before it airs on TV, you know what's going to happen? People are going to walk in asking for barbecue, and he's not going to have it. Then he'll feel like a real yutz. So I hope he doesn't. And history shows. That's what I told him, too. You know, 70% of bar rescues succeed. And, and that's a pretty big number. So the odds are seven uh, uh, to three that he's gonna. So I would share that with him and, and uh, uh, suggest that he stay on plan and don't assume something's going to fail before it does. Right? That would be my advice, Tom. Exactly. Yep. So what do you do? That's, that's probably pretty good advice. Well, I'm a voiceover artist. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, I'll give you a quick backstory uh, with me, real quick, if you got the time. Sure. What do you, it, as, so do you work in Kansas City doing voiceovers? I work in Kansas City. I have my own home studio. Um, I was born and raised in Kansas City. Um, I went out to uh, uh, Reno, lived in Reno, Nevada for about 12 years, uh, working for radio stations out there and whatnot. Um, I'm a graduate of American Bartending Academy. Uh, I was going to get into mixology, and I I did that for a little while and and, uh, decided I wanted to, to get into radio instead. And and did that out in uh, in Reno for several years. Um, was friends with uh, Dennis Hoff and a few other people out there that are famous in uh, in Reno and all over the world, I guess you could say. Um, but uh, then I decided to move back to Kansas City. My parents died, and I had to take over uh, their home. Um, so I did that, and I decided to not get back into radio uh, per se, but uh, start my own business in voiceover. And uh, I've been doing that ever since. Um, I had a, a surgery a couple of years ago. I had to have a tumor taken out of me, but uh, I didn't let it slow me down. Um, I've always gone by your philosophy of, of having no excuses pretty much in life. Yep. You know, not letting anything stop you, um, no matter what the adversity may be. There's always a, you know, if there's a will, there's a way. Yep. So well, you got some pretty I good pipes, that. man. You sound good. I'll tell you that, Don. Well, thank you, John. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So... I got my own home studio, and I, I have a I have an agent here in town, but my agent does very little for me, um, and I'm on the verge of not knowing if I should get a, a manager to help me out with this. Um, I, I do a lot of online work for what they call pay-per-play websites, yep. where you um, um, get paid to do voiceover yep. for clients and, yep. and radio whatnot. spots and such. Yep, correct. Yeah, and a lot of web, a lot of uh, web stuff, uh, web videos, um, uh, instructional videos, explainer videos, what have you. And there's a lot of that work out there if you can get into the circle. Here's what I've learned. I had a manager when I started. Look, I got in the the entertainment 10 years ago. I never thought I'd be in this business. And uh, so I went to hire an agent. And I found out that you can't really have an agent until you have a gig, but you can't really get a gig till you have an agent. I haven't figured that one out yet, Don. I'm still scratching my head over that one. But but so I went out and I got myself a manager. And this manager took 10% of me and was going to manage me. And, you know, he didn't really manage much of anything. I did my own calendars. I managed myself. And I realized he wasn't really bringing any revenue to the table. So I'm doing my own networking. I'm getting my own business. And this manager keeps making 10%. Then one day I met an agent, a really good agent, and I hired the agent, and I realized how meaningless the manager was, that in fact, you can manage your own time. You don't need a manager for that. You need somebody to book business for you. That's it. End of story. Right. 
And managers don't necessarily think that way. They think they should find someone who can book business for you. And they're going to manage it. And they're going to, you know what? You want a guy who's going to make the phone calls, burn up the phone lines, create leads, create opportunity. And you want somebody who's in the voiceover space where you are. Says that's the guy who has the contacts. And, you know, I audition for voiceovers all the time. I rarely get them, but, you know, William Morris represents me. So I have one of the finest agents in the country, and it's hard for me to get voiceover work. My point is this. You not only need an agent, you need somebody who's in that world. So what I would do is I would start calling some of the larger buyers of voiceover work. You're going to like this. And find out who the agents are that they do the most business with. Find out from the buyer's side who they do business with and then go to that agency. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. You got to follow the sales funnel. There's some people in town who are writing that business for you. There's somebody who's in that space who's better at it. You know, I have agents for books. I have agents for TV. I have agents for speeches. I have agents for events. They're all different. So there isn't one solution. If you need a voiceover guy, then you got to find a voiceover guy who's in that community, knows those people, does it well. And, and you know, you, you wouldn't go to a general practitioner to get a new knee. <laughs> You'd go to a specialist. Right. Same thing holds here. And I yeah. hope that's helpful, Don, but that's what you really need to do. I would call some of the biggest buyers, find out the agents that they deal with, and I would go straight to those agents. And now what that's, you're doing is you, great advice. Yeah, you're chasing the money that way, buddy. But, but the thing is, one of the things is one of, my, one of my biggest dreams is to do, like, movie trailer uh, voiceovers and say, for example, um, you know, the, uh, intro to your show, you know, how would somebody, you know, get on with, with Paramount? How would, how would, how would somebody actually audition or get seen by somebody, uh, you know, like that, a, a big well, network like, it's that, a rela- like Paramount? It's a relationship business. So some agent who knows somebody else is going to call them and say, listen, you know, I got somebody I want to, to read for that part. And they're going to say, yes. And the stranger that they've never heard of calls, and maybe the call isn't even taken. That's why a manager whose call isn't taken doesn't help you any. And an agent who doesn't get their call taken doesn't matter. You need somebody in the voiceover space who they're going to take his phone call because they know him. That's where your success lies. Don't chase the manager or the agent. Chase the money. Find out who's writing that business and then book with him. That's my advice, Don. But I got to run, buddy. I got another caller. I hope this is helpful to you. John, it is, and I and I thank you very much, and I thank you for all you do, and uh, I'm going to continue to follow your podcast and your show, and uh, I will uh, work on your advice, and uh, hopefully I succeed more. I appreciate it. Great. Send me a note. Let me know how you do. Thank you very much. I sent you uh, I sent you a uh, audition tape. I kind of did an audition for your show just so you could have it. Uh, Corey has it, and I gave it also to your field producer the other night. I don't know if it got to you. It was on a thumb drive and a business card. Actually, I do um, have it, and, it, and I will listen to it in the next couple of days for you. John, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Take care, buddy. You know, Corey, this business is so difficult. And here's a great example. Here's a good guy. He's committed to this. He has a good voice, right? Speaks well. He probably could do some great voiceovers. Yeah. But if he doesn't connect with the right agent who knows the right people at the right time with the right voiceovers and the right clients, none of the pieces come together. And, you know, so many of our businesses are that way. And, you know, you you go to specialists who have contacts uh, in the world that you want to play. And so many people in business just don't do that, Corey. You know, they hire a generic person or they bring in a partner who doesn't know anybody. If you want to be success, you chase the money.
And when you chase the money, you'll find the people who create the money and then associate with them. Don't chase people. Chase the money. That's what business is about. Business is about money. Listen, I'd really love it if you'd be on the show. You can challenge me, argue with me, disagree with me, agree with me, whatever you like. But the more challenging, the better. Just send an email to podcast at johntaffer.com, podcast at johntaffer.com. Corey will open those emails. He'll set it up with you. And then you and I will talk on a podcast and we'll have some fun. And by the way, while you're at it, don't forget to hit subscribe at Apple Podcasts or go to podcast.com or the Podcast One app and you'll get your new episodes every Tuesday. Want to talk to John? Email him now at podcast at johntaffer.com. Well, this was a lot of fun this week. Thanks to Brian Comey. Thanks to all my sponsors. And I have a big, big press announcement to make. And this Thursday, myself and the network will make a major, major announcement. So watch my social media feeds on Thursday. You can also watch things like uh, Showbiz Publications, Variety, BuzzFeed, uh, publications like that. I'm sure we'll carry it as well. And uh, keep your eyes open. I got a big, really, really exciting announcement to make with the network this week. And uh, once you see what it is, then we can all talk about it next week. I'll see you then. Take care. Fall is here, and Old Navy's got all the styles you need right now, with up to 50% off storewide. Hurry in for the season's biggest trends, like Rockstar jeans and frost-free jackets on sale. Jeans start at just 18 bucks for adults, 12 bucks for kids. Plus, get warm and stylish outerwear for just 18 bucks for adults, 17 bucks for kids. Want to save even more? Redeem your super cash now through Sunday. Hurry in now for up to 50% off store-wide at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1026 through 113. Select styles only.